Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde. And Chris Fuller. And on today's episode, we are coming back with part two uh, from last episode, talking about the church, but more importantly, the Sunday morning worship service. And we're going to hone in on two specific questions that may or may not mean I have a job tomorrow. Chris Fuller, are you ready? Let's get it. That's awkward, bro. Thank you for joining us at Real Talk Christian, a place where real Christians talk about real issues impacting the community and the world as it pertains to Christians. Now here are your hosts, Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. What's going on, Mark? I was going to say something. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh. I was drinking my coffee, enjoying the music, and I totally forgot. I can't believe you didn't like my intro. I was trying to be like a choir of angels singing, <laughs> as you said, Sunday morning. Dude, but it I guess threw it me off <laughs> so If I would have had Jagger and Eli here, it would have been great. Oh, I knew what I was going to say. At, at, at the end of the intro, I'm like, I might lose my job. I'm not losing my job. Like it's, it's not, not over this, anyways. <laughs> I Scott mean, don't even listen. Come on. <laughs> oh, well, he's listening to a, his son that's listens, a, though. So yeah, that's that's, that's totally okay. Eli, close your ears. Well, hey, this conversation that we had is fueled by decaffeinated Tim Hortons again. Yay. So it is fueled by nothing. Yeah. We uh, just are drinking I'm dragging acidity. Now. Dirty bean water. That At least it tastes good. It does taste good. <laughs> now the thing I like about Tim Hortons, is, I mean, it still. Ha- I mean, all decaf has a chemically taste. This yeah. one kind of has a little bit of one, but not. You have to put more creamer in it, and then you don't taste it. That's, Ooh, that's you, the key. Did you know I have like? So I used to have six. I have like four coffee flavorings that we haven't even tapped into. Like, I know. Why like not? I got the flavors of the caramel, the hazelnut. I ran out of the uh, Kahlua. Uh, Alcohol-free Kahlua. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Virgin Kahlua. <laughs> goodness. Either way. So, but, so the episode we are jumping into was not supposed to be a two-parter, man. But so last Anyways. episode, I asked Chris two questions, and we decided that he did not have enough time, 30 seconds, to answer both of these questions. So we're going to ask these two questions again. And this is honestly like the the last episode we didn't disagree on very much. No, but uh, you're saying that you think we're going to be disagreeing. I on think this we're going to disagree on this one a little bit because this is some of this is what I do. I mean, how do I get people in the front door? This is where your paycheck comes from. Hence kind why of. my job might not <laughs> exist after this. So the two questions that we ended on that we were not able to finish was uh, here's question one: How should we design the worship service? With a bunch of smaller groups coming together as one, kind of like how, sure. sh- like who controls it, who directs it, what kind of style should we have, et cetera, et cetera. So, how should we design the worship service? And then the second one is, should we even expect visitors at our church services? So, Chris, let's, here's the softball. Let's dive into the first question, and then I'll probably forget the second question. And you'll have to. Tell I, I, it that's again. why I wrote it down. This yeah. time. <laughs> so, first question was, uh, who should orchestrate? the Sunday gathering yeah, if, yeah. if we're if we're going from the aspect of what I talked about last and, podcast. Yeah, yep, that's it. So, um <clears throat> Mark and I have had a conversation about this where we talk about the head shepherd, right? This was months ago. This was uh, on the podcast? No, or? no, just oh, a person. We were, oh, yes, yes, we were here yes, at yes. your house for for a small group. Yeah, cuz it was at small groups. It was and, here. Yeah. I remember talking about it. But Dude, that uh, was actually an intense conversation where I would say that was probably closer to 8 months ago. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Anyways, um, 
you kind of swayed me a little. I, I was shocked. The audience just went crazy. Mark convinced Chris of something. <laughs> hey. You'll never hear that again. No. <laughs> no. But uh, All right. you said uh, that a head shepherd is is important to have for that leadership, that guide, you know, guiding the organization of, of the body. And my point of view was, dude, there can't be a head shepherd when the head she- shepherd is Jesus. And he ain't dead. Yeah, he ain't dead. He's fully alive. So <laughs> um, I still agree with my statement. Oh, and I don't disagree with it either. But I think that I maybe got lost too much on the words of head shepherd to finish hearing what you were saying. Oh. So I think I'm actually swayed Wait, wait, bit. wait, wait. Pause. Am, am I hearing a confession? Yeah. Does someone need to apologize for their sins? Mark? No, it... No, confessions at 8 a.m. <laughs> Every day. No. <laughs> Got to meet me in the box. Meet me in the box over at St. Matt's. Let's go. St. Patty's. So anyways, uh, yeah, I got hung up on that that title of the head shepherd to where, like, my mind was going head shepherd. Every time you said head shepherd, it's like somebody saying tomato, tomato, kind of. You know, it was, mm. oh, no, it's tomato. It's tomato, tomato. I didn't want to. But, yeah. So I think that as the smaller core bodies um, – gather for Sunday service. I think that's a great thing. So what do we do with that? Um, because if it was 30 small groups meeting together as corporate, um, everybody having their own agendas, it'd be chaos, and God is a God of order. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, so I think... And we read that, and I know First Corinthians 14 laid out a lot of stuff for mm-hmm. order of worship services. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which obviously meant people got together for mm-hmm. worship. Like, right. That's just a fact. People right, did exactly. It. So... Um, I think there definitely needs to be a leader, and the leader cannot be appointed by any one person. It has to be appointed by God. So uh, organization in the church is is a very, very important aspect. In the corporate gathering, uh, and even in the small groups, there should be a leader figure to make sure things stay in order and stay on track. If not, there's just chaos and People are going to try to talk and interrupt people, and kind of what we have on our crazy nights at small group <laughs> when nobody's like really got anything, and it's just everybody talking to have their own conversation. It's kind of chaotic. Yep, confessions. We're there. talking about <laughs> which Bible, what are Bible translation? Which was a good conversation. I don't know if you're yeah. there for that one. Yeah, I was. We're talking about what's because one person asked the question of, well, what's why? Why do we have all these different translations? And no one yeah. else was listening besides the person and me or something like right. that. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, God is a God in order. I think that is very important to have order in the church. So who who does it? You know, hey, uh, at our church, it's Scott. It's Scott, it's you, and it's Brandon. And the elder team, actually. And so, the, so, right. so he actually used to be— I always forget about the elder right, team. Right, and that's I'm the sorry. thing. Well, a lot of people think—and this is this is me talking on behalf of my face. boss. Is, he's the face, and but he, and he's in the day-in and day-out right. day operations and making sure things happen. Um, a lot of people think that Scott is the ultimate boss and the Pope and right. this, that, and the other, but he actually answers to the elder board. Right. Mm-hmm. That he, actually, he asked to have created. When he was at Southside, he answered to nobody but himself, right. and he didn't like that. That's a dangerous spot to be in. And he and he felt that, so he right. he's, he told the church, we need an elder board, that a, a, a ruling elder board that mm-hmm. I'm a part of, that Sochet's a part of, right. and then we also have just lay elders in the church mm-hmm. that are part of it. So I, that, right. I think that's that was one of the wisest things he could have ever done. You're always safer in numbers. Exactly. <laughs> so... Uh, so how did Scott to be, become this leadership figure in the in the church? Well, 
um, from my conversations, he was led here by God. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't He's that a Scott, southern boy moving to South. Yeah, Bend. it wasn't that Scott's like, hey, I want to go live by Notre Dame because I'm a Clemson fan and that's just where I want to be. No, <laughs> he'd do- rather be down there. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. So um, he was led by God. God directed him up here and and placed him in a leadership role at Southside, which is funny because the Bible talks about how God ordains all leaders, which is why we should pray for all leaders. That's for those of the people that might be listening that hate Trump. Well, God says to pray for him. Or Buttigieg. Or Buttigieg. Hey, God says to pray for him. And Hillary Clinton. Or, well, she's not in a leadership position. Oh, that's one. true. You, don't have to pray. <laughs> you can take her off the list. <laughs> so, sorry. That, that was probably too far. Real talk here, though. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but yeah, any, any elected official. Right. Any elected right. official. And that's how it's supposed to have been throughout history, throughout yeah. Israel Israel's history, the same way. Um, they're, they're all directed and appointed by God. Um, otherwise, God is in control of everything. And so to say that, well, they came in here on their own, no, God placed them there. That we can't do anything without God's approval of everything. So no, obviously, I can't Pastor even take Scott my, can't even take my next breath without the approval of God. So <laughs> just saying, throwing that out there—that's real talk. That's a little intimidating to think about. Makes me feel like a peeny little ant. You are. Like, you know, we, we all we, are. We are. We don't think <laughs> about it that way though. Right. Um, but now, obviously, though, Scott pursued to be an elder. Right. And the Bible says, "He who seeks the, the eldership seeks a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's not bad." Now, um, so Scott went and trained to become a pastor, applied for different churches, he, he, interviewed the process, and became our, our He followed our the calling of God on his life. God had a calling, and that was for him to be a pastor. And so he obeyed, which the Bible says it's better to obey than to sacrifice. So he obeyed the calling of God and um, went where God had directed him to go to get the training that um, he needed to be able to be in the spot that he's in today. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of me trying to answer the first question. Mark, you want to take a take a throw there? Well, I, I want to make sure I sum it up to, to make sure I understand. Um, so you say that um, the there's, there should be, okay, so you have all these little, let's just call them cells. Mm-hmm. We have all these little cells, these little house Ripples. groups, um, whatever you want to call them. When they come together to worship, there should be someone who is the the point person, the leader, the 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 person who oversees all these. I, groups. That's what I was gonna say. I like to say the overseer, the one who makes things, which that is, sure things stay in order. Which is what the Bible calls. That's the job mm-hmm. of a pastor, an elder or elder pastor overseer. Right. Like those are the uh, shepherd too. Um, like those are the four roles of a pastor: is the overseer, mm-hmm. elders. Now, do you think that they have authority and autonomy to tell the little groups to get in line? And if you don't like it this way, sorry. Uh, again, I think you swayed me a little bit from our conversation months ago. See, I think about things we talk about. <laughs> you make it sound like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, um, Paul had authority over the churches, over the, the mini-cells. Mm-hmm. And, and when he was in a town, then all the mini-cells came to him. But he had authority over them. Uh, that was the position that God had placed in Peter. Peter had authority over over the church. Um, I believe if God puts you in that position, one, it's a dangerous position to be in, very, very dangerous, because what is required of you, um, I don't wish on anybody. <laughs> because if it's you rough, cause man. one, 
Christ talks about you cause one of these children to stumble, right? Children. So I believe that that whole story right there was an illustration of the children of God, right? The, the believers, the young believers. You cause one of them to stumble. It would have been better that you had a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the ocean. Um, that is a heavy, heavy burden to, to bear because you could be anywhere and slip up and cause a believer to stumble. Say you swore, and you know, you know, hey, I have freedom in Christ, or whatever, however you believe. You know, I don't particularly believe that way. I think we should take every every word and thought into captivity. But say you felt like you had that freedom, you weren't convicted by it, uh, and you swore as a pastor, and it caused somebody else to stumble, right? They had a conviction that the Holy Spirit had laid on them, they hear you do this, and so now they're going to go against the conviction of God that they have upon their life and do it. That's a stumble, right? It doesn't say they fall and they never get back up and they fall away. It says stumble. Mm. <laughs> it's not It's not leading them astray to the point where they're leaving the church. It's a stumble. Uh, and see, I'll push back on that because <laughs> I disagree. Oh, really? Because mm-hmm. right. it's one of those things where my life as a pastor is no different than any other Christian's life. Because in the Bible says, I was looking at the verse in James 3, 1, mm-hmm. it says that our teaching will be judged more strictly. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to answer to God. Now, now, I will say this, I have to answer to God for how I live my life in holiness. What's the old saying? Actions speak louder than words. Oh, I'm not disagreeing. So your teachings, you teach by your actions. Oh, it's true. Now, in, but it's the fact of... I love it. It's getting real. And, and then, <laughs> but then the other thing is the fact of, well, what's someone's definition of a stumble? Because someone's might be as, oh, Mark, you have a tattoo. You want my son... I, I don't have a tattoo mm-hmm. yet. But if you know, if I have one and one parent's like, oh, you made my kid want a tattoo, and I'm like, well, that's not causing them to stumble. It might be stumbling in your eyes, but it's not in mine. Mm-hmm. And, and and all my teens know, if you ask everyone, well, all my... So a, a stumble is, is that you... It's causing them to sin. Is that you know... You, okay, say you know they have this conviction of drinking. Okay, we'll go oh, drinking. Yeah. So you know that they have this conviction that drinking is wrong in their eyes, right? Okay. And they, they believe it's a sin. They've been convicted by the Holy Spirit that it's a sin, right? We've talked about live by your convictions. Mm-hmm. So you go and you pick up a six-pack and down it right in front of them. Well, I'd call that you arrogant, arrogant punk. And then you, and then you, give them a, and say you have to drink. Well, right. I would never do that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is a stumble though. Mm. It's going against their convictions. Your action causes them, them to go against their conviction. It may not be a conviction to you. You may have that freedom in Christ, but for them to go see you as an influencer, because as a pastor. As a overseer, you have an influence. Your everyday life, whether you like it or not, has oh, an oh, influence. We, on yeah, the body. we call that we live under the microscope. Right, and you do, and that's why I say it's a heavy burden. I don't right. want it. But I'll also <laughs> say that you know, but if if I just disagree with someone's, because live by your conviction, mm-hmm. sure. But right. if but if you say, oh, this is my conviction, so you can't do that. Like like, there's some people well, in our in our church who, not not even to the point of they won't drink now. Like I I don't drink. But um, there will be people who it's the fact of, oh, so you can't even partake in it, so therefore you shouldn't even walk into bars, mm-hmm. so therefore you can't even walk into like a restaurant that has a but bar see, in it. Those, I ain't, I'm, those people I you should have it. you should have conversations with. Oh, of course, and that's what it is. It all goes back to conversations. But I, I want to put it this way, where a, a pastor is in the Bible now, practically speaking, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. 
what I do and how I live, the music choices I do, the movie choices I do, how I dress, how I talk will instantly reflect what my teenagers as a youth pastor right. believe is right and wrong. Right. I do not disagree with that at all. However, when you call a pastor to live to a higher standard just because he's a pastor, I go, that's actually wrong because as Christians, we're all called to be holy. All right, so, instead of so we're going to talk about this then. Uh-oh. We're going to go on a segue. Talk. Sorry about the rabbit trail. All right. <clears throat> so in a marriage, who's more responsible, the man or the wife, in God's eyes? Oh, the husband. Okay. So there's your answer. In a church. Oh, in the church. I'm like, in I'm, a like church, I'm like, I don't have an answer. But yeah. <laughs> in, a, <laughs> yeah, in a church, because in a church, you're a pastor, right? And, and, and the, you have it right. And I give it, I give an account for those who I oversee, right? Right. And so, and I will push this back to the fact of I do live my life in a certain right. way. No, no, yeah, yeah, do we, it. Right. I'm saying, from my point of view, that's that's the reason why I have never sought out to be a pastor. Gotcha. But at, but at the end of the day, you would say that I would yes. say you're under a microscope, and oh, there's a huge responsibility, and such a weight that you guys have to, or should carry, should carry. I don't know if every pastor carries it, but should oh, carry that if you cause somebody to stumble, that's a child of God, <laughs> and it ain't going to be good for right. you. And Matthew 18 says... you have to answer for yeah, it. I'm not saying you're going to be... About it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to say you're going to be cast out of heaven or you know, you're uh-huh. no longer a Christian because of this. Right. I'm saying we all have to give an account, but just as in a relationship between a man and a wife, the man is more responsible... In his account, right. It's the same with that, and, and the Bible clearly states it out that it's you have a more responsibility. You are under that microscope as a pastor, and because of that, be careful, be careful, be careful. Oh, and I agree, and and I agree to extent. I won't agree hundred percent. Come on, just come over to the dark no, side. We have at donuts. the end of the day, I mean, yeah, I have to give an account how I lead and how mm-hmm. I set example, but I don't have to give an account for how you live your life. You no no because so, you can lead a horse but, to water you can't make him drink exactly but a, a pastor of response but, but the pa- the weight of the pastor is very heavy right so I agree with that but so I'm, just don't this is what I want to say I, I'll we'll move on it's just the fact oh no of, I, I got to finish this up <laughs> it's just the fact that just don't forget pastors are people too yeah, they are they are and and the the point I'm trying to make and I think we're we're missing each other I think we're agreeing but oh yeah no no we agree to some extent I I think we agree fully I'm not saying that you cause them to sin, right? I'm right, not saying, no, no. I'm saying your actions can influence it. If yes. if if you're sinning, it can oh, influence yeah. them to sin. That's what I'm talking about, is the influence that oh, you have. Oh, see, yeah, we that agree. Can cause them. That's what I said. Yeah. I think we're saying different things, but we agree. So if you're still with us, we yeah, apologize. Sorry, sorry but, about that rabbit trail. But yes, 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 yes. yes. I 100% agree with that. Um, it's... Yay, I told you you'd come to the dark side. We have donuts. <laughs> so to, to answer that question, though, um, how should we design worship service with a bunch of them? It's one of those things where this is when a lot of churches will push back and say, oh, well, we need to create services that match the culture and how right. things fit and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, and I think there's a, there's a lot of preference that goes to it. No, so so going back to the question of how should we design worship services with a bunch of smaller groups coming together? And when we talk about it a little bit, I will say we just said the biggest oops in the history of oops is where the headphones got unplugged, my mic stand <laughs> fell over. <laughs> so we need sponsors. Sponsors. But anywho, but no, at at the end of the day, when when we all come together to actually worship mm-hmm. together, um, the question is is should it look like the communal gathering or should it look like the culture? Um, that's kind of the, the the question I was leading yeah. at with that because at the end of the day, 
I'm going to have a different musical preference than you, right. than Pastor Scott, than Soche, than... The culture is going to be different every, from person to person. And, and, and city to city, and right. north side to south side, right. and, and all these different things. So what do we need to do to create the worship experience? And this is where I think you have to have the leader. Right. Is it says, this is the way we're going to do it. And I'm okay saying this, and, and this is hard, is the fact of, if you don't like the way the worship is right now, that's okay. It's not all about you. That's where I come back at is we're about glorifying so, and worshiping Jesus in this preference. No, so if now if there's so the actual play, piercing that hurts your ear, that's different. Let, let me play devil's advocate. Okay, I agree with you, but I want to throw out this the question that I could hear other people saying. Well, if you're saying don't worry about it, it's not all about me. Well, isn't the way things are set up that's your preference? So isn't it all about you? And see, and that's what I would say. No, it's about the corporate body. Yeah. And what encourages the I corporate body to worship? So I'm going to use Soche as an example. Yep, go for it. Because, like I said, I agree with you. 100%. Now I'm not going to look, look at someone's face and say if you don't like it, get out. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> right. I'm never going but to say that. Soche, I look at Soche in the example. Soche, Soche, we have a, such a wide gap in culture of music. Oh yeah, at our church we do. And what does Brandon do? He looks to edify and glorify God, and says that with the on, lyrics on, yeah. on the stage, and is willing to reach into genres from across the gap, from different places, to make sure that uh, it's all going to speak truth in the word of, word of Jesus. You know, it's all going to be praise and worship to Christ, but he makes the style. You know, we have some people that like hymns. We like, my contemporary is like early 2000s. That ain't my contemporary, bro. Yours is like 2019. Yep. So, but Brandon will reach into each one of those genres and bring them in from those vast years and decades of music. He doesn't leave try to leave anybody out because he wants to make sure we can all worship together. But so what about someone who has the complaint of, well, if we need to sing hymns the way hymns were written? Because we don't I mean, the last hymn we did had a guitar solo in the middle of it. <laughs> like I mean I mean well, like like Victory in Jesus, if you listen it's it's on our church's Facebook page. Nathaniel Ladson and the third verse just wah pedal the entire verse. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. I, I think Brandon would say, um, Hey, Soche. I'm trying not to put words in his mouth. I'm trying to re- think back to the. the oh, I'm just thinking in general. Right. But uh, I think that um, it's just like you said it's not all about you, it's about the corporate body and worship of God. And and making sure everybody can get past. It's not about music I like. It's about the worship of the the one true God. Right, definitely. Which which I would say go back to episodes five and six. Yeah, to go back and listen to those. Um. So, but at the end of the day, this is where it kind of shifts into then with 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 do you invite unsaved people to church or what happens when unsaved people actually do show up? Should we be prepared for them? Because a lot of people will tailor their worship services for those people mm-hmm. who are unsaved. Right. And I will say this. Our churches, now the, the volume of our music, all these different things causes people to worship. But for me as a pastor, I want when unsafe people to walk in to feel comfortable and, and be okay and go, yeah, the music's all right. So I oh, guess here we're we going to disagree. So here's the question <laughs> then is, um, should we even expect visitors in our service and what should we do? I think it's natural for people to be drawn to light it's natural okay do i think we should tailor 
corporate gatherings of worship or any type of worship towards unbelievers? No. So when I so so, so let's let's get, let's get real because yeah. you can say whatever you want. I don't care. I'm not going to change it. So when I stand in front of people and say, "Hey, if you're new, fill out this connect card," is See, that okay? To, to me, um, when you say that, because I was new once, but I was a believer. Mm. To me, I was like, "Oh, okay." And uh, to me, you, because of the way I I just don't feel that if you're a sinner, most most sinners don't end up in church unless there's a draw. Exactly right. You know, yep. If you're if you're truly They're seeking something, if you're not doing entertainment, and you're just seeking to praise and worship God and hear the word and learn, um, most of the time, most I'm not going to say all, but most of the time, sinners will not voluntarily walk into your church. They just won't. They'll have to be invited by somebody or whatnot. And I guarantee they're not going to fill out the connect card. Guaranteed. <laughs> and if they do, I'll be shocked. That's why I have the text, and you'll be surprised. Yeah. Well, that's great. But uh, the the gathering of, of the church is not for unbelievers. It's not. It's a place where we gather together to worship, praise and worship, and, and learn the Word of God. And if you tailor it to unbelievers, it becomes the watered-down gospel. Uh, Paul spoke about it, and I don't remember. You're the reference guy, so maybe you can look it up later on. But Paul referenced to one of the churches that... Uh, you guys should be eating spiritual meat, but I'm still feeling feeding you milk. You know, they weren't they had watered down the gospel so much that they had never learned the things that they really needed to learn as disciples to be able to go out and make disciples because they were getting milk. And in the church body, in our connect groups, small groups, house churches, corporate gatherings, we need spiritual substance. We need that meat. Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I thought I had it in my head, but I wanted to make sure. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 3 is where it talks about. But then also, which I don't think Paul wrote Hebrews. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, it also mentions that in Hebrews 2. See, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. Not, not Hebrews 2, but Hebrews also. I just want to say, when we come to podcasts, like he's got like, t- Mark's got a tablet and a computer, and I've got my cell phone. So he's like the lookup guy. <laughs> and I and I have my phone and my watch, and we're doing all the things. Um, so should we even – okay, because like, like when we're a family, like our small group, I don't have signage anywhere in my house. I don't right. know where the bathrooms are. So should we even expect those types of people like, or expect to tell people where to go, what to do, when to sit, all these different things? Should we, should we even be conscience, con- conscience? Conscience? If it doesn't it. take away from the reason we're there, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Okay. But if it becomes a distraction or takes away from the reason we're there, um, then it's a big issue. Mm. I, I think of a church um, in our area, and I won't say any names, but uh, they are their worship set is a distraction. I went there on the invite of a friend once, and their altar call song was Hello from the Other Side by Adele. That was their altar call song. And I'm like, okay, what? So me and my wife were like, we're getting up to leave. And we go to leave, and like they block the door. Like, you can't leave till after prayer. And it's like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> like, what do you mean I can't leave till Which after prayer? Which is like prayer? a fire code. Yeah. So uh, I think that that was a You know, that's, that's a distraction. There's no, that wasn't, that was for entertainment purposes. That was to draw in unbelievers, which the Bible never says bring believe, uh, unbelievers into the house of God 
or into your worship services, it says to go forth. Go forth preaching the gospel and making disciples. That's what it talks about. It never says to wait for them to come to you, and it never says to to bring them into the worship service. It tells you to go, and I think that's where the church nowadays has really failed because most churches, and thank you, Lord, for or for Southside, because they have we we do try to reach out in our community mm-hmm. a lot, but there are a lot of churches who don't. It's a lot of churches tailor for people unbelieve people unbelieving people to come in and hear God's word. But the problem is, if you're constantly tailoring to that, right, mm-hmm. then you're just giving spiritual milk. You're never plugging them in. You're never really. Uh, making them a good disciple to be able to go out and fulfill the the Great Commission. Right, yeah. And and where I was going with that question was, you know, what should we do to be prepared for them? Because at, at the end of the day, I mean, we always have new people at Southside. Always mm-hmm. do. And and even for Christmas time, I'm gonna ha- like I'm gonna create a whole like I got plans, bro, to invite people to our Christmas services because people are more likely to come to the Christmas service. So right. it's just it's just the fact of the matter. Um so in in that regards, yeah, like that service will be a gospel presentation, but at the same time, we all need to hear the gospel all yeah, the no, time. No, right. um, but like, I'm going through a book right now, and it's called Being a Welcoming Church, and the whole idea is is what do we do? It's by Tom Rainer. I'm holding it up for you. Okay, thank you. So I how to, read upside down. Becoming a Welcoming Church, and everything from church signage to security to um, honestly uh, making sure sex offenders stay out, which is a big issue in a lot of churches right now, um, and how to be prepared for when visitors come. And, and the whole premise of the book that Tom Rainer says is if when people come in and if you're not expecting them, they will instantly be shut off and you might have hindered them from actually following Jesus. Now, at the same idea, he's also, he even says, he goes, I'm not one to say that, you know, God's, God is sovereign. God is the one who saves people. That is their job. However, we're also called to not be stumbling blocks. The only thing that mm-hmm. should be the stumbling block is the cross itself. Um so what I have always tried to do at Southside is, is I know visitors are going to come. It's a guarantee they're going to come. I want to make sure that by the time that they sit in our sanctuary, they go, wow, these, these church people really, really took good care of me. They really took care of us and the kids, and they had signage everywhere. I knew where to go. I felt comfortable. And this is why I put so much, I haven't done it in a little bit, but so much time into the website because I want, when you find our website, if it looks like crap, no one's going to go to that church. They don't trust it. So I, if they answer every question on the website, what do you do with so, kids and this, that, and the other? My question yeah. is, is that a problem with the church or um, or a problem with Christians seeking a church or non-believers? I mean, to me, again, church is a gathering of believers. Correct. Believers Correct. is the key word there. Um, so we're so worried about... Um, signage or or websites or stuff to try to draw people in uh are we losing focus of what the church is for see in that one i would say is no that's actually is what the church should be doing because we're called to so let me ask you this okay 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 because i had a follow-up question i was Uh-oh. waiting for i knew you were going to say that so uh let me say uh in, in the early 2000s um the number one country for for Christian growth, believers, mm. was China. Yeah, communist China. Right, which w- was outlawed. Christianity is outlawed there. So they didn't have signage. They didn't have—and then I look at America, 
who has steadily been going down in believers. Mm-hmm. So who's doing it right? Right. And and this is at the end of the day. I mean, we all know that Christianity thrives. Um, an author put it this way is um, when Jesus is when Jesus is at the fringes. Churches don't do anything. Disciples aren't made. But when Jesus get pushed to the fringes, Christianity grows like crazy. In terms of oh, when Jesus comes to the center, I should say this. It's it's more the it's balanced between yeah. Christendom and Jesus. Right. It's the fact of when Christianity becomes outlawed and all you have is Jesus, it grows like crazy. But whereas if Jesus is everywhere, growth I, plummets. I agree, but I disagree because I look back at the well, the church is always early always early fifties though the. Revival time of Billy Graham oh, right, and yeah. all them, all them big, well-known mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, the evangelists, the, the, the tent revival guys. Yes. You know, um, it was growing like wildfire. But they marketed like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, but they I watched a whole documentary so on did it. I. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not on that on the on the marketing aspect. Oh, okay. Well, I watched. Like they had, they had teams on the ground that would for months oh, yeah. get stuff out, like passing I mean, out flyers and stuff like that. But the thing that the church has lost sight in the difference between then and now mm. is we have lost sight of prayer as oh, a church. I agree. We do not immerse ourselves in prayer like we should. Again, our we have a prayer team at Southside that is growing. From what I hear, I've I've personally never attended the the prayer meeting, but uh, I hear it's phenomenal, and I hear it's growing like wildfire. Uh, we need the church as a whole in America to really dive deep into intimate prayer with God and seek out God's heart, and that's what's going to change and be the difference between who comes in, how many come in, who's hearing the gospel. Oh, and I agree, but... I will also say, if we're not prepared for that, I will actually say, I don't know if it will ever come. Like, like because you, you read, you know, the horse is ready for battle, but safety's of the Lord. And you also read, you know, Augustine's little quote is, pray as though everything depends on God, work though as everything depends on you. And the idea of is... It's kind of putting the cart before the horse, though, isn't it? That's like saying, I'm going to build this massive cathedral before there's people to fill it. Well, not so much as that. It's the fact of prayer. Yeah, prayer changes things, but we're the ones who are called to go be the hands and feet in Jesus. We're the ones right. who are called to go make change. It's kind of the idea of you can either pray for... Um, I just... I, I understand, and I'm, I'm a worker. I'm, that's that's my that's my innate bent. But it's the idea of we can either say, hey, how come, um, how come there's not more orphanages in Africa? Let's pray for more orphanages in Africa. Or you can get off your butt and go build an orphanage. Yeah, no, like that's that's yeah. more so what I'm right. talking about. No, and I totally agree. Um, but for the church side, it's the fact of um, the culture beast what it is. We can either say, you know what, it's wrong. It's completely wrong. doesn't matter. We're going to do our own thing. Or I can say, oh, you know what, I'm going to engage with what culture we have yeah. in order to get them in. So I'm going to use web, social media, videos. And, and we do that with stories. our... I mean, RTC is... A spawn off. Yeah, of it's idea. a it's a podcast. So I, you know, I don't disagree totally with it. I just say, uh, if that becomes the main focus of a church to draw sinners in, that's the wrong focus to have because we're supposed to go seek out. We're supposed to be the hands and feet, not the tukus. Right, right. <laughs> but then, so so I agree. The church service is for the um, believer. It's for the believer. But at the end of the day. 
unbelievers will be in our midst. Oh yes, and and or and, and on the flip and side, praise God, they are. If if we have a crap website, if we have terrible social media, which is this is my game. You're such a marketing and all guy. All these different things. <laughs> it, on the flip side, someone might be they might be looking for. Oh, you know what? I'm trying to look for something. I just don't know what. Well, if we can provide answers for them on the web. And say, hey, look, we can come alongside and answer these tough questions for you. Let us introduce you to Jesus. And then they come into the fold. That's that's why I use it. So it's, for me, it's a tool. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's just a yeah. tool to get people and, into and, their seats. And, and that's, people are going to come. And my thing is just the fact of people are going to come. So let's get out of our holy huddles is what Tom Rainer calls it. Yeah. Um, let's stop... You know, when when someone who's unsaved at our church, like let's expect them to be there. But the 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 message, the word, no, that should not be designed for unbelievers. There should be something an unbeliever takes so, away from it, which is the fact of you're a sinner, you need some Jesus. That's what an unbeliever should hey, take away from this. I'm all about the holy huddle. You know why? Oh, why? He said it, not me. What is his name? Tom Rainer. Tom Rainer said it. He says get out of the holy huddle. I'm I'm all for the holy huddle. You know why? Why? Because in a football game without a huddle, you don't know the play that's going to be called. Right. Well, that's the difference. I mean, he didn't mean it like that. It's more the fact of <laughs> just like saying it. he calls holy huddles the fact of when when um, we should come together in the church. Well, no, no, no. He calls holy- them in the in the lobbies before service when people yeah. are just in their groups in these and someone a new family just walks by mm. 50, 60, 70, 80, 100. Our mm-hmm. south side, you can walk past two hundred people, right. and if not one person turns and says hi to you, mm-hmm. that's a problem. They're never going to come back. And he has a lot of tales in in conversations with people who have, why did you not come back to this church? And there's some people who are like, you know what? It, it was gross. It was dirty. Um, I didn't know where I was going to go. The information on the website was wrong, so I was late. I was embarrassed. Someone told me that I should I should dress a little bit better for Jesus. And they're like, I've never come back to church. I'm, I tried this Jesus thing. It ain't going to work. And we can either bash them and go, oh, well, that's not the real Jesus. And and that's not what Jesus is. And so you do put, put your faith in people. Or we can say, you know what? We get that. You're seeking something. Don't let us be the stumbling block and be mm-hmm. the reason. So that's why I think our churches need to be seeker-sensitive in terms of let's be prepared for them. Let's and let's say thank you for coming. Let's give a little welcome gift. But at the same time, this is not for you. This is going to feel uncomfortable, and we're okay with that. Church church and, and Christians should always make the world feel uncomfortable. Always. Well, we're called to. Right. Always. I mean, we're not—I mean, if—, if and this is what it is, is the fact of if church and everything in, in the world feels, acts, looks like the world, is that us being ambassadors for Jesus or not? So here's... I mean, culturally, it's going to look a little bit the same because we're all people. I, I, I like what you're saying. Uh-oh. Push back. I, I like what you're saying, but I'm going to push back. Push back. Because if our church is so focused on the people outside coming in and the what-ifs if they come in and not focused on the people inside... There's there's another issue. Well, there's and that's and that's so if you're why fo- if, you, if your focus is on, you know, and and I'm not trying to pick on you, Mark. I no, know that's you, fine. You're the marketing guru, you know. Right. I, I I I that's a huge gift that that God has given you, and if you weren't in ministry, you'd probably be in the corporate world making six figures. So, because uh, you're good at it. <laughs> but you're uh, actually probably not wrong. <laughs> I know I'm not wrong. I know you're good at it. So, um, but I think. Again, we have to, we can't lose sight of the focus of what the gathering is for, and we can't lose sight of the people that are in the gathering. Mm, definitely. And if we focus too much on the outreach to bring people in, rather than focusing on the people that developing are developing those that to, are already to, in. To, to push them out, you know, go out, right. you know, <laughs> then then we've lost sight of what we're actually called to do. And see, and I would say it's both. 
Because if us as a church, if us as a church is going out and reaching out to our community, well, that is all the individuals going out and trying to reach out to right. our community. It's more just the fact of, and this is my call for all churches, is just the fact of visitors are going to come, seekers right. are going to be there. Just, And this is what Tom Rainer says, is the fact of it's a gospel issue. Be prepared for those visitors so they can hear the gospel. But I will also go back to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, where it's the fact of, you know what? Speak in a natural, normal tongue so that sinners can hear mm-hmm. of their sin and the hear of the goodness and the Savior of Jesus. Right. But at the same time, yeah, the worship is not for—and I'll, I'll totally agree. I'm not disagreeing with you that the no. church gathering is it, not for unbelievers. However, right. they are going to be there. And I should say, it shouldn't be everyone in the church's job to be focused on marketing. No, 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 yeah. That's right. my job. No, that's your gift. That's my you job. Should always, you should always work in your gifting, yeah. and that's your gift. And there's a, and there's some there's certain people who do a great job with discipleship and mm-hmm. one-on-one discipleship. So, and so Shay. So Shay, and I would say you, like that's your guys' gifts. My gift is to speak more to masses. Right. And that's just kind of what yeah, it is. That's and that's not, a, that's the, not my gift. The different <laughs> parts of the body coming together as one to do something that we could not do alone. Right. I mean, that's what the church is supposed to be all about. So should do you have any but not not your fun fact, but do you have any closing thoughts you want to say before we go? Covering the past two episodes, I guess. Oh, we're going to sum up both. We we're going to have to. I mean, we made a part 2. You got to sum them up. It's true. Um I think it's important to be in a corporate gathering on Sunday. Um, I believe it's also important to be plugged into a more intimate gathering to where you can walk through life with others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's core. You, I mean, it should go your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, and then that actually should be that connect group, that small group, that house church should be another part of your family. And we say it all the time. Yeah. You know, we feel like family. Um, and then, and what's nice and then, then after that, yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. I was going to say after that, then that gathering of all the bodies to make one massive body to to sing the praises of the of the Lord to to hear His word together. Um, it, it shows solidarity, uh, and that is important. Uh, do I believe sinners should be at a church service, a Sunday gathering? No. Do I think they will be there? Yes. Do I think we need to focus? On those uh, 50-50. I'll, I'll go 50-50 with you today, Mark. And and I should say this. I mean, I'm not like a seeker-sensitive church either. Right. Like, like I'm, I'm, right. I, I, don't, I, I could not go on I staff think, at Andy Stanley's I church. think I can see what you're saying um, through this part two. Um, and, and I can halfway agree with you, just like you're kind of halfway agreeing with me. Yep. You know, we'll go 50-50 on it. So if you have the spectrum of right to left, you're on the right, Andy Stanley's on the left, I'm in the middle. And then you're in between. Yeah. 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 We're kind of split between there. There you go. So, um, but we need a church that um, is the hands and feet of Christ, like you said, um, that goes out and doesn't wait for people to come in, though there will be people that come in. We need to make sure we're going out and we need to immerse ourselves in prayer. So those are my kind of final thoughts. Let's hear yours. Um, I would echo that. And then for those people that are in the church service, Look around. Like, that's more so it. Like, when I look at our church, you see the same groups, the same cliques always talking to each other. They don't get out very much. What's funny is our own small group, we don't talk very much during church on Sundays. It's like a, hi, how you doing? How's your week? Because we know we're going to see each other on Tuesday. So we're able to be with other people in the body. Mm -hmm. It's more just the fact of look around, see who's sitting there awkwardly, and go say hi. 
that drives that's, me. That's even nuts. a good challenge to me. I Anybody. mean, to you, you're you're really good at that. To me, I'm not so good at that. But that's a good challenge for me. But I also have the name tag that says I'm Pastor Mark, so it's a little easier. It's kind of in your job title. But at the same time, I'm the guy where I visited a couple churches. Um, here and there. And even when I did that, I was the guy where it's like, hey, so my name's Mark. What's your name? And then they would say it. And then they're like, oh, are you on staff here, Mark? And I'd be like, nope, I'm I, I'm actually a visitor. This is my... <laughs> I've never been to this church before. I just wanted right. to meet somebody. And it throws people off because they just expect to show up at a church, get their Jesus fix and leave. Right. Um, but there's a lot of hurting people. And reach out because you never know if you're reaching out to someone who either knows Jesus and just needs a hand or mm. they need Jesus. Right. So if they're th- and that's it, it's low hanging fruit. That that's that's what I'm saying. Is if if unsafe people are walking in the doors, that's low hanging fruit, baby. Right. We gotta right. pick it. So I hear you, man. All right, dude, we're at that time for fun facts with Fuller. All righty, here we go. Fun fact today. Someone actually paid ten thousand dollars for invisible artwork. An art collector once paid $10,000 for a non-visible sculpture created by actor James Franco. The artwork was billed as an endless tank of oxygen. Um, yeah, it's called air. <laughs> We're breathing <laughs> some now for free. <laughs> so, uh, Wait, say that number again. How much did he pay? $10,000. It's all around you. It's an o- endless oxygen tank. I'm just saying. That's more than my car. That's like... Yeah, that's like both my cars put together. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I it, all you need to do is go get a box. Go to Hollywood, get a box and say it's an endless box of oxygen and sell it for 10 grand. And here's a fun fact for you. Did you see the Nike Air Maxes that were the Holy Walk ones? They <laughs> no. put they put holy no. water in the soles of the Air Maxes and they like I mean it was blessed and everything and they were selling for lots and lots of money. I don't remember wow. what the number was, but someone I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he was walking on water. Yeah. I don't think that's what it meant no, at all. No. But either way, Fuller, it was fun, man. Take it easy. Yep. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Real Talk Christian. To help get our podcast into the ears of other people who need to hear these conversations, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. To keep the conversations going, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share our content with others. See you next time.